Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. I noticed, I thought it was interesting, I noticed how, as people walked in this morning, uh, how the adults were like, oh, and the kids were like, yeah! <laughs> which I loved, um, shows the difference, doesn't it? As, as we get older, we lose the wonder of snow. Um, kids think it's wonderful. We, go, we wonder, shall I get out of bed? And, uh, and, but you have, and here you are. And so hi to all those who are on Facebook joining us this morning. Um, so let's pray, and um, we'll see what God is going to say to us through um, the word this morning. Um, you know, if there's, uh, I'm always open for me moving out the way so the Holy Spirit can do what he needs to do. So let's see how that goes. Lord, we thank you and we bless you this morning for what we've heard, the way we've worshipped um, and the wonderful work of the choir this morning. And we just pray, God, for your continued work in us as we share your word together uh, and uh, help us to be challenged by it, to be encouraged by it, and overall bless your name through it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I've called, um, I've called my, my word this morning, dearly loved. But there is a tagline underneath, it's worth it. Um, and both parts are important to what we're going to share this morning. So um, children, I hope I don't bore you too much. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll try and get through this together. All right, now, um, some, most of you will remember this. In July 1991, Brian Adams released a song called... Everything I do, I do for you. Who remembers that? You remember that? You do? Who remembers the movie it's from? Robert O'Prince Prince of Thieves, it was. Now, it spent the best part of four months on the top, 16 weeks, 16 consecutive weeks, 17 weeks in total, but 16 consecutive weeks at number one. It holds a record for that. 1991, that was. Now, in 1993... See, I'm showing my age. I've got to throw, I'm going to throw in, I need to throw an 80s one in there as well, because this is the 90s. But Meatloaf released a song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that um, sparked a nationwide debate. What is it? What is it you won't do? What is this? But actually, it is in the song, basically, he won't mess around for love. He's not going to mess around. That's not what he's, he's not going to do. But he would do everything else. Um, and then uh, 1986, come on, 1986, Bon Jovi released a song called I Die For You. Nice bit of air guitar by Andrew Castle there. Very nice. But 1986, I Die For You was the, um, the title of the song. And actually, if you listen to Bon Jovi, as I did quite a bit in the 80s uh, and even in the 90s, that, that was a recurring theme in a lot of their songs, actually. Um, them dying for love and lying, or I'd lie for you, I'd die for you, all that kind of, that was quite often in a lot of his songs. And all these songs, all the things that they would do or give up or die for, um, one of those things, the main part of that was for love. You know, all these songs, oh, you know, I'd die for you because I love you and all this kind of stuff. All of those songs um, were about that. So we understand that love is a huge driving force in a lot of things that people do. And a lot of things that people give up, you know, they might move country for love. They, they would maybe give up a home for love. They would give up work for love. They give up all kinds of things for love. 
Because love is, is an amazing thing, isn't it? I'm not going to burst out into a song. Love, love changes it. No, I won't. Uh, but this leads me to my story this morning. I'm going to look at the, um, the life of Stephen. Now, does everyone know what Stephen is famous for? Dying, kind of, yeah, pretty much. Um, when we talk about Stephen, we even talk about the stoning of Stephen, don't we? We talk about um, that, that thing, but it's the reason why is what I'm gonna, I want to look at. Um, that was an important part of his life because obviously it was, it was mentioned quite a bit. And, and the amazing thing that happened during that moment, you know, heaven, heaven opened and he saw his Lord and Saviour, you know, heaven, and he saw heaven. And that was amazing. So some amazing stuff happened there. Um, so basically, after what can only be termed as a rebuke to the Sanhedrin, he was having a right pop at them um, about the way they were living and all this kind of stuff. And he, um, after that, they were angry. They were pretty mad. Um, they didn't like to be told, um, be told off, be told they were wrong. They didn't like it. And so to do that, they dragged him out just to, you know, to show you that they were in charge. They dragged him out. And then they stoned him. Now, stoning actually was, it's, it's, a thing, it's in the law, it's a Levitical law. They used to, if you broke the law or the Ten Commandments, that's a stoning event. Uh, um, and that's what they did. And um, Stephen, which I like, these are the things about him. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing to be said about us, isn't it? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And there were signs and wonders done among the people through Stephen. Amazing things written about him. And he spoke with such boldness that um, it says that uh, he taught and preached in some of, the, some of the synagogues because certain leaders of the synagogues tried to debate with Stephen. So there's many of them against one and they weren't successful. And so as he spoke they could not resist. They were unable to resist the wisdom of the spirit by which he spoke with. And um, this one spirit-controlled mind was too much for all their intellect. So full of faith and wisdom, he knew scripture and was able to communicate it effectively. Stephen, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So he was someone who could speak well, someone who could know, he knew the gospel and amazing works were done by him. And not only that, we understand from one statement that he was also full of compassion, grace and the love of Jesus. His final words were in Acts 7 and it says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. No, he showed love and compassion he understood that he, he, he not only could show compassion and love because he understood that he himself was dearly loved. He knew Jesus and he knew he was dearly loved. He didn't attack his persecutors at that moment. He didn't you know, stand up against them. He, didn't, he wasn't casting things out from them or all those kind of things. But what he did do, because... He didn't even he didn't even um, you know even claim his rights as a child of God, but he gave up his rights and reputation for love, because he knew himself he was dearly loved. 
Now, the, the title of my message is from a song, in fact. Um, there's a Christian artist called Jimmy Needham, and he wrote a song which, um, it's not even that new, it's about 10, maybe, years old. It's a great song, it's a wonderful song, and I was listening to it earlier on in the week, and it just challenged me, because I was listening to a couple of his albums, because I hadn't heard them for a while, and um, there was a poem he wrote at the end of one of his albums, which I want to share with you. Now, he's, him being a Christian artist, he, he rose in fame within the Christian industry, and he knew how uh, fame can challenge us, how fame can take over us. I mean, fa- how even in the Christian industry, music industry, how the, the traps of fame. And uh, so he was seeing all of that, and he was winning awards and all this kind of stuff. And he wrote this. Now, I've got this on the screen. There's some screens for this, guys. Um, so it's, it's called Night Lights by Jimmy Needham. So hopefully you can follow along. It says, Be thou exalted over my reputation, because applause is a poor form of soul medication. And I've tried for years, but the symptoms remain, still fretting the day they'll misplace my name. Still selling my soul for American fame, treating the promotion of Jesus like a well-oiled machine, advancing his kingdom just to snag some acclaim. But I'm both comforted and haunted that it's, just not, it's not just me, though. I see a nation of people to, needing to feed their egos, parading status like steeples. Do we not know it's evil to love ourselves more than both God and his people? But see, here's where this poem turns on its head. Because the greatest among us came as servant instead. You humbled yourself to the point of your death. Apparently love for the Father's glory runs red. So friends, will we point to the sun till our flames grow dim? Will our bright lights become merely night lights near him? Words echo once, let them echo again. Be thou exalted over my reputation. Now we're commanded in scripture, aren't we, to um, humble ourselves because we know at the proper time, and as in his time, the proper time, he will exalt us. He will lift us up. And um, we are to die to self, which is a very difficult thing, actually, to die to self. Um, and this, because this is counter to what we're told in the 21st century. And um, because we're surrounded by status, surrounded by the celebration of man, um, and we're surrounded by um, celebrity and popularity. And I was challenged reading something the other day. Um, I was challenged by a guy called Leonard Ravenhill who wrote this. He says that the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Now, if there is truth in that statement, I thought to myself, what can I do to flip that on its head? What can I do to be more like the early church? What can I do to be a man like Stephen, who gave up his life and challenged the things that weren't right? And so we looked, I looked at Stephen's life. So it says verse 7 and verse 8 were two things which we as a church actually are going towards. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Gillian shared with us the, the train tracks. Do you remember those? 
So this is where we're heading in 2018. So verse 7, that word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great number of priests were, um, were obedient to the faith. So this sits on our track, preaching the gospel, reaching the lost, sharing our faith. And that's what Stephen did. And even some of the priests became obedient to that gospel. And that sits on where we're going in 2018. And then verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now this also fits where we're doing amazing things. Um, Julian shared this morning in the Reflections service that reaching out and doing amazing things like signs and wonders is a great sign to the world that Jesus is alive in us. And sometimes, as I pray this morning, sometimes we need to move out of the way and let God work through us so that these things are done that we can help the poor, we can, um, those who are sick and infirmed, we can reach out to them, we can heal them, they can see an amazing work of Jesus through us. And that's what Stephen did. And that sits right where we are heading in 2018. And that shows love. We've got to do that out of love, 1 Corinthians says. We've got to do these things out of love. Um, and that also comes from a position we can lay down our lives, our personality, popularity, because we know we are dearly loved. It comes from a place of knowing our identity. It comes from a place of knowing that we are truly loved by the king, that we can be in that position. Stephen was able to stand the stones and his accusers because he was full of faith and knew he was dearly loved. Now, there's a remarkable correlation between um, Jesus and Stephen at this point. Because both were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. Both were accused by false witness. Both were accused of speaking against the temple uh, and the law. And both were put to death. That love held Jesus to the cross. And that love holds us to Jesus. Knowing that we are dearly loved by the King of Kings. I think possibly helps Stephen in his moment of um, accusation, moment of uh, execution, to stand and be able to take what was being thrown at him because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I heard one preacher say that not that he had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had him. How awesome is that? Not that he had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had him. And because of love, 2 Corinthians 5 says that it's for Christ's love compels us. That love, knowing our identity, knowing who we are, compels us. Knowing that we are loved and we should love others compels us to do these amazing things. Stephen laid down his life for love because he understood he was truly loved. And what he would gain eventually was so much more than what he would lose on this earth. And what he laid down and when he was accused falsely, he controlled his tongue. He was able to control what he had to say. And he spoke in grace. He spoke in mercy and asked God for forgiveness of the people throwing the stones. And we are told in Scripture that if you're able to manage to do that, we could be perfect. And Jesus did the very same when he was before the Sanhedrin. They were accusing him. They were pointing fingers at him. They were possibly spitting at him and telling him all these things about him. And when they first said to him, you know, 
are you the king of the Jews? They questioned him. They said, well, that's, that's what you say, as it is. You say what, what, what it is. You say it's true. And then when he was accused by the priests, what struck me is that he gave no answer. He didn't defend himself. He didn't tell them they were wrong because he knew. He knew. He knew he was right. And I think that comes from, there's a place in Exodus where it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. And sometimes we can fight and scream and yell, but actually, when we're doing the things of the gospel, because the world will come against us, church. The world is going to come against us and accuse us and say all kinds of things about us. But we know when God fights for us, we're on the winning side, right? Yeah? When God fights for us. So Jesus said nothing to defend himself because he was innocent and knew that he wasn't guilty. And he knew his position as a son of God, but he lived as the son of man. Jesus' position as king, he was the king, but his attitude was servant. He gave up his right. Uh, there's a scripture here in Matthew 20. I think I've got it on the screen. Matthew 20, 26 to 28. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first um, among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. And that was the attitude of the early church. They knew their position. They knew and understood that as children of God, they had a great position. They had a high place. Uh, Ephesians says, you know, we are seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We have our place here. But they laid down their lives and became like servants. They served. They, they did uh, what God asked them to do. They gave up their lives. They gave up their rights because they knew they were so loved that whatever they were going to give up was worth the sacrifice. And that's what drives us. That's what drives us, that we know that we are so loved that it's worth the sacrifice. Many metaphors were used uh, in the early church to describe them. Um, we have things like the, the body of Christ or sons of God or children of God. Uh, sheep, all these kind of images, all these kind of um, metaphors that are used to describe who they were. But the word Christian actually was given to the church in Antioch. They weren't, they was not something they claimed for themselves at first. It was, it was given to them. Um, and quite often they were called the way. But there was a word that they used about themselves. Paul used it quite a lot. And it's this word, slave. Now, it's not a comfortable word in our 21st century. It's one they use to describe themselves quite often. And even servant doesn't always fit comfortably in the 21st century, particularly in, in, um, in the world that we live in, in the, in the West. So the early believers truly lived as ones who had given up ownership of their own lives, surrendered their own ownership for a new master who was Jesus. And that challenged me when I read about Stephen because he'd given up that. He'd lived a life and he sacrificed his life for the call. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 17 to 20, it says, um, He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And it says, See, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexually immoral person sins against their own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Um, 
whom you uh, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glory God, bring glory to God with your body. So by behaving as one who is redeemed, we can keep ourselves on the right path. Even Paul kept his body in check. Um, like an athlete training for the Olympics. Now, I don't know if anybody's trained to do any sport. Has anybody here done a marathon or a long bike ride? I know Carson's done a good 100 miles. And Carl, it's good to have to see Jim. Oh, yeah, you used to do a lot. You've done a lot of running and cycling. Mon's done some. A few of you. Oh, Andrew, ah, a few of you. Done, done some training. And it's hard work. You've got to, you've got to fit, put in the hours in, right? You've got to put the hours in. Um, now, until recently, obviously, when I, when I broke my foot, I, I didn't do the training. I did, I'd say when I did my green belt a little while ago, um, I thought, oh, I should be able to do it. I managed it, but I was absolutely... I was just, just showed my fitness levels were not up to scratch because I didn't put the hours in. I think he was maybe a, a little generous too. I was trying to say, he was quite generous because I, I, I'd, I'd pu- pushed through quite literally. I had to like... And so halfway through, I just had to stop. I was like... But if I if I want to do it properly, I'd had to discipline myself to train. Anybody that's done a marathon knows you have to put the hours in to train. Anybody that's done anything, if you want to get to the top of your sport, you have to train and put the hours in. And that takes discipline. And that's what Paul did. He said um, in 1 Corinthians 9, and in verse 27, he says, I discipline my body to keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be... Uh, disqualified now this isn't some kind of thing he's doing to himself like self-torture but it was notable labour of self-denial for the good of others he understood his position as child of God and how loved he was, he understood that position and that's a really important thing to, to remember, for all of us to remember, we have this position and some of us don't get that yet we have a position we are dearly loved by God if you are in Christ and you've committed your life to Christ as a Christian, you are dearly loved. And some of us really need to hear that this morning. We are dearly, dearly loved. And some of the sacrifices and things he asks us to do come from that position. And Paul knew that. He understood that. Quite often in Galatians he says, um, for in Christ you are all sons of God. And then he talks about the spirit of adoption in Romans and that how um, we could be called children of God. We can cry out, Abba, Father. We are children of God. He understood that position, but still he let himself be a slave to Christ. This is, uh, I've got this on the screen too. This is Romans 6, 16 to 18. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? either to sin, which leads to death, or obedience that leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart of to a standard of teaching which you are committed and have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. And again, in Romans 1, it says, Paul, a servant, or in the Greek, that's a slave of Christ, called to be an apostle. It does it again in, um, in Philippians. That word um, actually can also mean bond slave. So it's not just a slave for slaves. It's he's given himself up and over to Christ. That's what we do, isn't it? 
We give ourselves to Jesus because there's that call to follow him and that call to follow him and so we submit our lives to him. And we can do that and we can lay down our rights, we can lay down our lives because we know we are dearly loved. Paul understood our position. Our position is here in Christ so we can lay down our lives. We make ourselves nothing so he lifts us up. As a human race, we're very keen to lift ourselves up, aren't we? We're very keen to give ourselves um, a stage or, um, I'm thinking of like X Factor, stuff like that. I mean, we're very good at that. We can do that. But when he lifts us up, he positions us, he places us in a place of authority, that makes the whole difference. Jesus had the strength to forgive his executors, to serve his followers by washing their feet, to stay silent in front of his accusers, to resist Satan's temptation. He had the courage to do the Father's will, even though he knew it would cost him his life. Understanding our position and knowing how much we are loved helps us to be able to lay down our rights, our desires, our lives, and daily pick up our cross. We are so truly loved and it makes what we lose and give up worth it. It is worth it. It is so worth it, everyone. Paul himself knew this when he, um, he said, I, I, I consider everything nothing. It's worth it, my friends. It's so worth it to lose self, to gain Christ to lose our rights, to become righteous, to lose our sin, to become blameless in his sight, to lose earthly desires, to gain true love. It is so worth it in the end. But we don't have to wait for anything anymore, do we? Who has Amazon Prime? A few of us. Next day, even sometimes same day, we don't wait for stuff anymore. <laughs> but sometimes we're here, we have to wait for what we're going to receive. Sometimes we don't, but our eternal glory, we have to wait. We've got a, a, a life on this earth to live. And we won't receive that. We've got it. It's ours, but we won't see it just yet. And Paul counted everything as loss, he said in Philippians 3, for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. The privilege it is to be loved by love itself. Whatever we lose in this life is only the beginning of what we will gain in the next. And I've written the last words here. It's worth it. Now there's a screen, like that screen with a circle on it. It's right at the very end, the last screen. There we go. I've just circled that word. It's worth it. It's worth it. But it is. In Christ, we are so dearly loved. These guys that I've just talked about, so Stephen, Paul, Jesus understood. He modelled it for us. He came as servant. As that poem I read at the beginning, he came as servant instead. He came to love and to serve. He laid down his position as king, even though he knew it. We can do the same. If we lay down our positions and our rights, because we know we are dearly loved, we have a position in God. We are God's children. Whatever we ask for, you know, you know, you, 
you do not receive because you do not ask. We can ask for it because we're in that position. But in front of the world, with the world we're reaching out to, we can lay down all those things. We can lay down all those things, are what we look like in front of people. What, when we share Jesus, people might reject us. People might say all kinds of things about us. But we can lay that down because our reputation is nothing. Because it's him. He can handle it. He can handle bad reputation. The church for millennia has been um, slated and all kinds of things. People say about horrible things about Jesus when he was here on the earth. But now we are his representatives. People will say awful things about us. But it's all right. Because we know whom we are, who we love and who loves us. And that's the thing. We are so dearly loved you are so dearly loved this morning. And I want you to take, if you don't if you remember anything else, remember you are so dearly loved. And what we give up when we give up our lives, when we sacrifice things, we don't do things that we're not supposed to do and we lay it aside. When we do things we are supposed to do and it's a bit scary, that's great because we are dearly loved. It's worth it. Now this song, I want to play you the song, the lyrics of the song. It says that in it, it's worth it brothers, it's worth it friends to know your maker and to lose your sin. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.